listening to a podcast from Light FM. Unlocking the secret to better parenting. This is Growing Pains on the Light Breakfast. Today we're talking about verbal warning with Light's resident child psychologist, Katiana Azman. When disciplining a child, Katiana, verbal warnings tend to be like the go-to method. Telling them mm. to stop, mentioning the consequences, if they continue. Is this actually how this method actually works? Because I'm sure we all get it wrong. I think that it really depends on how old the kids are, right? So I feel like whenever I see parents with toddlers relying on verbal warnings in terms of you know regulating the child's behavior, it might not be super effective because again, we're dealing with an age group that might not have the level of language comprehension that you mm-hmm. might be resorting to, right? So I've had some parents talk about, you know, the dangers of risky behavior with a two-year-old, mm-hmm. right? Who might not even fully understand what those words even mean. So I think that if you are speaking to a younger child and you are resorting to verbal warnings, you need to couple that with action. So moving the child away from the harmful thing that they're doing, like my kid's a big fan of electrical sockets at the moment, <laughs> standing across the room and saying, don't touch that it's dangerous Mm. it's not going to register in a toddler right so you might want to couple that with okay we're not going to play with that because it's dangerous and then moving them away from that so their brain learns that when you say these words it is somehow often attached to an action of moving away from that thing so eventually when you say the verbal prompt of don't touch that they're going to go oh I usually have to take my hand away or I have to Mm -hmm. move away whenever that happens. So in younger demographics, you might need to couple that with action. But with older children, it is often advisable to use verbal language because they have the skills necessary. But I think it's also important. I think the one step that a lot of parents forget to include is to explain why a certain thing should not be done. Most children are more than happy to respond to just being told no or being told to move away from something Mm -hmm. but some children need to understand why so they don't repeat it in the future and a lot of parents to be honest don't feel the need to really explain why and Mm -hmm. kind of have children understand so I would say that's something that we should absolutely look into if you have an older child. So let's touch on the no-nos then because we understand now that action is not the consequence. The action comes with the act of saying, get your fingers out of the socket. That's dangerous to play with or move them away. But let's talk about how we don't address the why, which is so important. I think anyone who is a millennial and older would have understood the term of like, no, because I said so, right? (laughs) Just because I said so as a parent, right? So I think that there was definitely a time where parents were kind of believing that they didn't have to explain the reasons behind why you do things. And whenever I talk about this, I tell parents, explaining why is not the same as asking for permission or justifying your decision, right? Mm. So you do not need to justify why your toddler should not stick her finger into an electrical socket, right? But it is helpful to explain why so that the child can learn from that moving forward. I tell people if it's like you're trying to bake a cake but no one gave you the instructions or sorry the recipe Mm -hmm. and you just have someone telling you put this in put that in mix it bake it at this temperature the next time that you want to bake a cake you're not going to know at all where to start Mm -hmm. because you haven't been given the opportunity to learn about the process what tends to happen when you don't explain the process they don't learn from it so they Mm -hmm. become dependent on the need for you to tell them what is a danger and what is a problem so I think that if you 
you are trying to educate your child about danger, about what is appropriate and what is not. Once they hit, I guess, primary school level, I would say is a good time. If you can, if you have a child that has amazing verbal comprehension or mm-hmm. you know speaks and and responds extremely well, I would say start this earlier. But I would say by the time your child is about five or six and kind of approaching primary school, it would always be helpful to just kind of append why it is that that's something that's dangerous. So you right. could kind of just bark out a verbal warning and just be like, don't touch that right, in mm-hmm. the moment. But after the fact to say, you know, just now I said, don't touch that because if you did that, you could potentially get hurt and I don't want that to happen. Mm. Right. What about when you're met with a tween or a teen where mm. the why is inconsequential to them mm-hmm. or they have another why, why they should be allowed to do something? And that's the thing. It's not the same as asking for permission, right? Mm-hmm. You will have tweens and teenagers who despite your justification or explanation, if you will, will still think that it's something that they should do. And this is where I tell parents, in my opinion, there are two types of people in this world. There are the people who adjust and adapt accordingly based on warning, which is great. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who kind of need to experience things before they correct, right? So the example- (laughs) Burn your fingers, yeah. (laughs) Yes, the example I tell people, there are two types of people. One person will respond if you tell them there's a drain there. The other person needs to fall into the drain before they go, oh, drain. That would be me. Um, There's no, I would say, superior approach one versus the other, Mm -hmm. right? You have a teen or a tween who's a little bit more challenging. The best thing that you could do is to say, I understand that you don't agree with me. Mm -hmm. I am telling you based on my experience as your parent, as an adult, and what I would like for you, that that is not something that I think that you should do. And I really caution you against it. It is kind of allowing your children to make some degree of mistakes. Now, of course, if these mistakes are going to put them in harm's way, of course you want to intervene. But I think that there needs to be some room for kids to make these mistakes and Mm -hmm. give them the verbal warning, explain why you are of that opinion. But ultimately, if they still choose to do what they do, you need to be able to be there to help them connect the dots. Today, we're talking about verbal warning with Light's resident child psychologist, Katiana Azman. Let's talk about pushback and when verbal warnings are ineffective because at some stage, you give a warning, especially I suppose when the child gets a little bit older, there has to be a consequence that's perhaps meted out or that happens when they do the thing you're telling them not to do. But if the verbal warnings don't deter your child, how do you set boundaries and rules? I tell parents that boundaries or rules are super important because they are a abbreviated version of the laws that the kids have to respond to in adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the big problems are when kids grow up in an environment where they're not exposed to those boundaries or they have boundaries that are extremely flexible, mm-hmm. they struggle to conform to the laws that exist in the adult world, right? And those mm-hmm. are things that we really can't change. So I think it is a really good thing for parents to introduce kids to the concept of boundaries. Now, I don't mean necessarily consequence and punishment, Mm -hmm. but just having a framework of what you would like your child to operate within, right? And that can cover things like their physical safety, that can cover conduct. I'm a big fan of that one. Yes, You know, what is appropriate in terms of how you speak to people and Mm -hmm. kindness. I think all of that should be things that we expose our kids to to a very young age so that when they go to school and when they work, when they enter the adult world, Mm -hmm. these are all things that are easy for them to operate within. I would stay away from giving consequences in the heat of the moment 
So there should be sort yeah, of that's like tough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of like, you know, if you do this, I will take your device away. You're um, grounded. So I would, yeah. Yes. I would kind of avoid that because that means that there is an element of subjectivity to that. It really is dependent on how we are feeling as parents if we've had oh, a rough day and that stuff is like so that. True, yeah. So it kind of gives kids the impression that it is subjective. Then again, you go out into the real world and a fine is a fine, a parking ticket is a parking ticket. Then you kind of have that concept of, but why can't this be negotiated? Yeah. I think that that explaining to a child very early on like this is what mommy and daddy would like you to do mm-hmm. and we are willing to discuss these things however if there are certain things that go against it like for example one of the common ones I hear with parents hitting right so you yeah, can have boys in the household stuff, yeah. yeah like hitting or kicking or saying mean things or whatever mm-hmm. that could be like a limit that the parents are not willing to kind of explore and so you could have that conversation with your child where look mommy and daddy understand that you guys squabble but we are not going to tolerate any physical hitting or aggression if that happens there is a consequence so it's stuff that you kind of get out of the way really early Mm. you could have it written out on a big sheet of paper and stuck on the wall in the kid's bedroom it's something that's well understood yes that zero tolerance policy for certain things yeah Exactly. And does that mean the kids are going to follow them all the time? Absolutely not. They are going to push it and they are going to forget. Mm-hmm. And it's still our job to kind of remind them. Actually, if it's on the wall, that takes it away from you having to sort of like stop reacting in that moment because you've already written down, you know, you lose TV time for half exactly. an hour if you if this happens. I think one of the hardest things is that, you know, especially when you have teenagers, they are a big, big family. I mean, anyone who's got a teenager will just say things like it's not fair. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a big thing for them yes. that sense of equality and mm-hmm. accountability so when you have something very much set out like that it holds both parties accountable so whenever they do something good or it's agreed upon that they're going to be rewarded for that mm-hmm. or if they do something bad and there's a consequence for that the consistency is super important right. teenagers are not going to follow through on things if they feel that you're a little wishy-washy if on you're things flaky as well. yeah they can be as well is there such a thing as red flags that could indicate something else is going on outside of your child just not wanting to listen, follow the rules, or just be a normal, rebellious, growing kid? I think it's if they are aware of the dangers and consequences. Mm -hmm. They might have experienced it once or twice in the past and they still choose to go ahead. That would be a red flag. Another red flag for me is if they don't respond to any form of consequences whatsoever. So it would be something that they don't respond to authority. They don't feel that anybody should be able to have an authoritative position over them. Mm. Those types of things are usually red flags. It could indicate that there are underlying conditions such as oppositional defiant disorder or ADHD and these are the in the younger ones and Mm -hmm. older kids it could be something else but these are the things that I tell parents to look for what is more typical is that you know you could give them all the advice you could tell them about consequences they're still like I know what I'm doing and then something goes wrong and they're like oh there's an element of remorse there's an element of you know okay I should have done things differently Mm. but the kids who just bulldoze through that who are almost happy to be punished or having a consequence multiple times or don't care. it's almost like they've won getting it like I had a friend at school yeah. like that and it was with mm. matches he was always playing with matches and burning his fingers like he'd get hurt through it wow. but then his parents went through all sorts of consequences and I'm not talking about spanking or anything like that but like he didn't care right so that's the thing so the thing that we have to look into is why is that behavior continuing mm-hmm. right and it could be I'm mean, not saying it was with this particular individual but it could very well be that the feedback 
feedback that they get from having to get into trouble all the time is something that reinforces the behavior. So I would say to parents that, you know, if you're seeing a pattern where regardless of the efforts and regardless of the strategies, the child continues to repeat the behavior to the point where they're getting consequences from you, from the school, from everybody multiple times, Mm -hmm. or they are fighting back against it. So they are argumentative, they're justifying why their decisions are correct and everybody else is wrong. Mm -hmm. If you're seeing this power struggle, then no harm kind of looking into that and seeing, you know, whether there's something underlying there. Who are they going to speak to? Their doctor, psychologist? Absolutely. A doctor would be a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people in the sort of medical world are quite well-versed when it comes to sort of these types of issues. They might not be able to tell you exactly what it is, but Mm -hmm. they can tell you whether or not it's typical. And then, of course, you've got mental health professionals and learning specialists who can help in that area. But yeah, if you're seeing this pushback constantly, I would say probably look into that. Thank you so much, Katiana. We've been talking about verbal warnings today. You can find this again on the Light Breakfast podcast. That's on the Shock app. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.